What's up, this Shaq Bear, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the 19th episode of Season 2. Today, the first time ever on the podcast, we are doing a running back rankings dispute. Today, we're going head-to-head with guys like Cam Akers, Austin Eckler, Clyde edwards Elair, and Jonathan Taylor, just to name some others, you know, get you guys excited. But joining me, I had to get someone that has some very worthy rankings. I couldn't just pull some schlub off the streets or my grandpa who watches two games of football all year. I had to pull someone knowledgeable. So I dug deep into my bag and I pulled a man who is now tied for the lead on most appearances on the podcast. He is a very, very, very good friend of mine. Um, And one of the people that I've talked about before that the reason I am here today is this man because he was the second guest I ever had on my podcast. A very good friend of mine with almost 45,000 followers on Instagram. One of the best voices in all of podcasting, even though he does not host his own. With a social media company that recently got 1 million views on a podcast, on a, sorry, on a TikTok, he is Joey Volpe. What's what's going on, Joey? (laughs) Quite the intro. (laughs) It's quite the intro. You know, honestly, I've never been a fan of my voice on uh, like microphones and stuff. I feel like it always sounds—I don't know—it sounds like nasally. I don't know. But have you ever have you ever met someone though that's like, I love my voice on podcasts, dude? You kind of have like this, like this, like this, like raspy, like type thing, like going on. <laughs> is that a compliment or is that a ring? No, it's good though. Okay. It's good when you put your voice low. It's like it's comforting, dude. I, I just feel like if it's raspy, I feel like the guy that's offering kids candy, like in my van with like my raspy voice. I'm like, kids, do you want some candy? Like, I think raspy. That's that's kind of what I think of. I try to go a little, a little less rasp, like maybe like ten percent, like a little pinch of it, like a little extra salt on a steak kind of thing. I mean, there you go. But I I, I appreciate the compliment nonetheless. But <laughs> sure. I'm I'm Thank super you. I'm super excited to get into this today. You are now tied the lead for with Dom Rugs for the most appearance on the podcast, and I'm very thankful I, for that. I'm officially banning Dom from being on the podcast <laughs> until I get on again. Exactly. That way I'm in the lead and then he could catch up. Yep. Because right. I don't like this even thing. I, I gotta be ahead of him. Yeah, Especially because he keeps sniping me in this damn league that we're in together. And I'm just I'm not a fan of it. Okay. So I, I need to get in front of this. All guy. Right, so let's snipe him and not let him come back on. But Exactly. But today, okay, I, I feel like we have to start off today with a guy that is someone that I feel pretty passionate about in general for a lot of reasons, and that's Cam Akers. So right now, this is for half PPR for people listening. This isn't PPR or standard. If this was a standard podcast, I don't know why anyone would be listening, but sorry, that's a topic <laughs> for another day. But I have Cam Akers ranked at number seven right now. You have him ranked at number 12. Why is he lower for you than me? Um, Look, I, I can totally, for Cam Akers, see a top five like upside type deal with him. If he's really getting that full workload, I believe LA is going to be a run first team. Um, it really boils down to preference. You know, I just feel like I like some of these other guys better. Um, I like Jonathan Taylor better. I like Joe Mixon better. I like Aaron Jones better. Um, I, I really don't have a problem with Acres where you have him. Just, uh, yeah, like I said, it's just more of a preference thing. Acres was a little inconsistent as far as his efficiency last year. You know, he had that huge game against the Patriots and then that game against the Jets where I think he had like two yards per carry or something like that. Um, you know, with, with Matt Stafford there and now offensive lines still being good, I, I still have faith in Cam Akers, obviously, and I'd still take him as a low-end running back one. But, um, you know, it, it's just preference. It's just a preference thing. I, I think he's going to be complete workhorse this year. I have no problem putting him in top seven. I'm just going to say this in the podcast now so I can quote this. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and this has been on my mind. I think there is a very legitimate chance that Cam Akers ends up as the breakout number one overall running back this year. Because I think the thing that I really like is I like the touches upside, obviously. Like, I don't think Daryl Henderson will be a huge threat. And I think to go off, like, the thing is, like, people talk about his efficiency and how it's inconsistent. And I think that's a very fair argument. But that Jets game that you talked about, where he averaged like just over one yard a carry. That was coming off two weeks after a high ankle sprain. 
he had a high ankle sprain, missed one game with it, and then played the next game against the Jets, and I think that contributed to it. And it seemed like he got healthier, and they gave him all the touches he could handle on the playoffs. So I think that's the thing with the workhorse role that I think Sean McVay would rather have a workhorse because it worked very well for them yeah. with Todd Gurley as long as the wheels don't fall off. That's obviously a concern. But Akers has less tread on his tires, and I really like that. But I think this offense with Stafford, I think Akers could carry it to the moon. And the Rams were one of the best defenses last year in football. And I think they're going to be leading in a lot of games, which will feed Cam Akers a lot. And here's the thing. Last thing I want to say, Jared Goff last year targeted running backs the second least among all qualified quarterbacks. And the only one lower than him was Big Ben, who was throwing to like James Conner. So like, come on, man. Matthew Stafford over the last eight years has targeted running backs at least 100 times every single year. I know you think of Goff as the checkdown guy, but in terms of throwing to running backs, Matthew Stafford has done it way more. The target upside's there. Obviously, in the playoffs, we saw that I think McVay wanted to give Akers that workhorse role because Henderson was, I mean, ready to play. And I just feel like that Cam Akers could absolutely be the guy this year, and I think he's getting knocked for some of the efficiency. And, you know, Miles Sanders, um, like the Miles Sanders thing that happened last year, but Carson Wentz and Matthew Stafford are two different players. Um, I'm all in on Cam Akers this year. Uh, I think you make a lot of great points. The one thing I will say, though, about Jared Goff and Matt Stafford passing to running backs respectfully is that that's kind of subjective, right? Because Matthew Stafford spent his whole career in Detroit. He didn't, you know, other than Megatron. And I'm sure if you look at his stats – when Megatron was there, I'm sure his passing to running backs are a lot lower. And then if you look at the wide receivers he's had, it's basically been like Golden Tate. Kenny Galladay, for the most part, has been in and out of games. The running backs they've had, Amir Abdullah, um, Carrion Johnson, even DeAndre Swift last year, a lot of pass-catching guys. So it's a little subjective. And at the same time, like Jared Goff, if you look at what he's been given – in that uh, offense, I mean, you have Robert Woods, you have, they, they had like three great wide receivers for a bunch of years. They had Brandon Cooks, they had Robert Woods, they have Cooper Cobb, uh, you know, Sammy Watkins when he was there, Tyler Higby, whatever's going on. So it, it's a little subjective. And I do want to see Cam Akers be in a role where he's getting five plus targets a game. And if, if I can see that happening, then I definitely, I think Cam Akers, I'm just going to bump him up my rankings more. It just takes a report of, McVay yep. wants to get Akers more involved in the passing game or Akers is doing very, very well as a pass catcher in OTAs or something like that. So it, it really just takes one of those for me to have a little more confidence in that respect. Well, I think the only thing I would say to that is like, okay, sure, Matthew Stafford had good pass catching running backs, but I mean, Jared Goff had probably what was the best running back in the entire world with him for two years and he clearly could catch the ball well. So I, I think that's a little unfair. And the other thing I just looked it up and Three three of those eight seasons where he gave running backs 100 targets were with Calvin Johnson. Then after that, really? five years beyond. So the last three years that Calvin Johnson played, he had 100 targets to running backs at least every year. And Calvin Johnson, it's not like he played. He played 16, 14, and 13 games. So it's not like he yeah. wasn't playing a lot. So I think that's, again, you know, hey, sorry. Um, no, no, no. no. <laughs> so I guess, I guess my follow-up to that would be even – so I, I, when I was thinking Calvin Johnson, I'm like, okay, if you have this prolific – Of course pass catcher then why would you need to pass to the running backs i'm curious what the weapons were outside of calvin johnson because if you didn't really have much surrounding him i know they haven't really used the tight end position all that much yep. the target's got to go somewhere especially if they're in a position where they have to pass the ball so again even that of what i said is subjective because it's yep. hard to determine like you know who's on the field if it's calvin johnson there and if he's throwing the ball 30 times there's no one else to pass to the running back's going to see a little more it's you know it, those, those kind of stats are a little subjective but yeah all, all good points yeah, and I think with also with Acres, I mean Malcolm Brown with over a hundred touches gone, I think that also helps. And I think yeah. the other thing that people that say, oh well, I mean it's not like they were giving Malcolm Brown any touches um, at the end there. I mean it was clearly Acres was the guy, but again, I think that's fair arguments on both sides, and people sure. can choose to think what they want at the end of the day. But Cam Acres is right. But the next guy I want to talk about, <laughs> this isn't this is one of our smaller differences that we'll talk about today. But I just put out a TikTok about him, and I really like him, and that's Austin Eckler. Um, I have Austin Eckler as my RB8.5 PPR, and you have him as your RB11. Why are you a little low? Again, it's not like 11 is low, but like, why do you like some of those other guys above Austin Eckler? Is there anything that concerns you about Austin Eckler? Yeah, I mean, completely new offensive regime. 
um, completely new overhaul in terms of head coaching. I think he's going to have a ton of targets going his way. And I, I think one of the reasons he was heavily involved over the last couple of years was because of Anthony Lynn's love for Austin Eckler definitely played a role in his involvement, but he is under contract right now. And, you know, with Melvin Gordon gone as he was last year, there's not really anyone behind him who really uh, screams like, Hey, I'm going to take away work from this guy. But at the same time, I don't think Austin Eckler, even with the improvements to the offensive line with Corey Lindsley and adding Rashawn Slater, I, I don't see Austin Eckler as this prolific runner. And I know he was yeah. efficient last year with the touches he got in the limited games that he did play. But at the same time, his career production as a runner has just really not been there. I'm worried about his efficiency in the red zone. Um, you know, I, and I just want to see what this new regime does because who, who's to say they won't get a Justin Jackson involved in some sort of timeshare. Um, you know, all, all that being said, again, I, I can also see Austin Eckler being this top five to top 10 guy, especially in DPR. Yeah. But at the same time, it's it's more of a preference thing. I think I'd rather other guys. That's fair. I mean, I think the thing I would say to the rushing thing, and I mean, again, I just pulled it up, is his four seasons in the NFL, here are his yards per carry in the four seasons. 5.5, 5.2, 4.2, 4. 4.6. I think those are all pretty pretty efficient numbers at the end of the day. I think those all – I mean, that's over 100 carries in every season, but the rookie one where he averaged 5.5, so you can take that. For how yeah. you want it to, that would probably go down a little bit, but he's put up solid numbers. Um, he was number one in PFF receiving grade since 2017. He is the number five in PFF, sorry, 25 in PFF rushing grade um, out of 115 qualified backs since 2018. Um, I really like Eckler in that aspect. And I think, again, he had the 30th ranked offensive line this year. And then you add Slater, you add Matt Feeler, you add Corey Lindsley, who was the best center in football last year. You still have Brian Balaga. I mean, I think a lot of things are in there for that to get even better. And I think Justin Herbert getting even better makes the offense better, but I love pass catcher guys. And that's free points at the end of the day. And like I said, I mean, Eckler was number one in PFF receiving grade. Um, I'm, I'm higher on him than I realized the more I looked into it. He was fifth in yards per route run last year among running backs, fifth in catch rate. I mean, I think Eckler has a lot of good things going for him right now, but again, a lot of those guys from like the six to 11 range is all preference. I don't think a lot of those have a lot of big holes. I would just prefer Eckler over some of those other guys. So do you know how many um, goal line carries Austin Eckler had last year? Oh, it's probably not good. It's probably not good. Well, I mean, he, had, he played 10 take, games last year. So what? take a guess. Uh, I'm going to say five. One. One, really, in 10 games. <laughs> One goal line carry. Okay. Um, and on top of that, he had 27 red zone touches, which resulted in three touchdowns. Okay. Well, I would expect positive regression on that, but the fact that he only had one goal line carry, that doesn't mean touchdown. It means carry. Yeah, it's a carry. That is definitely a little bit concerning, but I don't – I mean, I think that, that that's fair, but Kalen Balaj is not there anymore, and he was mostly their goal line back, it seems. So, mm-hmm. And Justin Jackson's a smaller back, so unless Josh Kelly um, is their goal line back, I'd expect Eckler to get a little bit more work because someone like Kalen Balaj that is – you know, big and big and strong is not there compared to Josh Kelly. I mean, Josh Kelly's 5'11", 210. They do have a big and strong guy who can carry it in, though. Who's that? Justin Herbert. Oh, fair, fair. But the only thing I would say to the Josh Kelly people real quick, Josh Kelly is 5'11", 210. There's Josh Kelly people that exist? I mean, (laughs) the people that are saying that he's going to be the goal line back, Josh Kelly is 5'11", 210. Austin Eckler is 5'10", 200. I don't think the difference is big enough. Yeah, I I don't don't see Joshua Kelly coming in and being this prolific goal line back. But, you know, that's my concern with Eckler. It's going to be the lack of touchdowns. Okay. Um, If this offense is, you know, running and running and running, he's got a better chance at getting more scores. But, again, this is a second-year quarterback in a completely new system. I, I don't know. I, I, I want to be I want to be more on the cautious side, which is why I lean towards some of these other guys. But I, again, I don't have a problem with Eckler, especially with PPR. I think that's fair, especially with the risk of a new system and potentially seeing what that looks like. Um, I'm good, and I'm I'm thankful that you didn't make the injury argument because I'm so tired of that. Playing make the what? The injury argument. People saying he's injury prone. Played 46 out of his first 48 career games. Played 10 out of 16 games last year. Had one injury and then came back for the last six games and was fully healthy. Yeah. Um, you know, know. you, you got to be careful with those because a lot of people think Mixon is injury prone because oh, he had one foot injury and then played 16 <laughs> games the year before. So 
you know, it, it goes both ways. Yep, it definitely does. Definitely goes both ways. Another thing that goes both ways is how we rank Jonathan Taylor. Uh, you have Jonathan <laughs> Taylor at RB7 right now. I have him at RB13. Uh, is there a particular reason you're as high on Jonathan Taylor as you are? Elite offensive line. Um, quarterback change for the better. And, yeah, yeah look, I, I, I know – a lot of Jonathan Taylor's production came from easy matchups. And I understand that. But at the same time, I feel like that's kind of, kind of gave him an opportunity to find his footing, so to speak. Okay. So if you look at what Tom Brady did last year, and you'll see why I'm making this connection in a minute, but Tom Brady in that first half of the season wasn't really, you know, he was kind of on or off. He had some big games. Production was there, but he had some turnovers, some ugly games. When it came to that three or four game stretch where he had like the Lions and like some other scrubs, he really picked it up and he was like one of the better quarterbacks. And that kind of carried all the way through to the Super Bowl. It kind of helped him find his footing and, you know, so to speak. So I feel like that was huge for giving Jonathan Taylor that confidence that he needed. Um, I'm not at all concerned with Marlon Mack. I know a lot of people are, but I, I am just Marlon Mack is just a fly on the wall to me. Okay. I think that's fair. I think the the reason, like I said, that I have Jonathan Taylor at 13 is I'm more comfortable with other guys that I think have a better path to a workload load. Because I think obviously Marlon Mack is a little bit concerning. I mean, he is coming off an Achilles injury, which I know like people don't come back well, but he still averaged at least 4.4 yards a carry each of the last three seasons. Um, if you count last season, but I think the thing is that concerns me about Taylor. I think the footing is a fair argument, but I mean, like I, I talked about, seven of his top eight performances came against bottom 10 defenses. He had the easiest ranked schedule in all of fantasy last year. And right now it's 14th this year. So, not a, I mean, that's still a difference. Um, but the thing is that I don't like is that in the six games against non-bottom 10 defenses, he was the RB36, RB22, RB48, 36, 24, and 10. I mean, he does have that 110 performance, but his other ones against non-bottom 10 rush defenses were 22 or worse. Is Again, could he be finding his footing and he's fine this year? Yes. But I just would rather other guys, when he's going as the RB6 in consensus rankings right now, and the potential that Marlon Mack, if Marlon Mack steals 50 extra carries, I think that could, I mean, that obviously lowers his ceiling. And then I think the fact that there isn't as much target upside with someone like Naeem Hines that's an elite third down back, and the fact that Frank Reich has seemed to enjoy his committees and never giving someone a full workhorse role, that's why I'd be off Taylor a little bit. I'm not saying the talent isn't there or that he's not a really good running back, just at where he's going right now, I don't like him and he's in an avoid for me at that price. I would rather guys like Zeke or even Aaron Jones going below him. So in a semi-limited role, Jonathan Taylor got 232 carries in 15 games. Um, that, on top of the 36 catches he saw, I mean, if I just do some 232 plus 36 divided by 15, multiply that by 16, that's a on pace for 285 touches. Yeah, you know, like that's that's a decent role for a rookie. Yep, and you know, trying to find his footing and was like semi-involved early on and you know we saw like Javante not Javante Williams um Jordan Wilkins and like some other guys getting like way too involved early and then Jonathan Taylor kind of grew into his workhorse role as the year went on so for him to end up with uh 285 touch pace I think is pretty good Marlon Mack I I I just he's literally I don't see him being a factor right if you need to change a pace guy Marlon Mack's your guy. If, if the Colts signed Mack prior to free agency and made that a priority, I'd be like, all right. If the Colts signed Mack to a larger contract, then I'd be like, oh, okay. If the Colts, if Marlon Mack didn't get hurt and had a torn Achilles, I'd be like, oh, okay, maybe I could see. But, you know, none of that happened. And on top of that, I feel like Mack really couldn't get a contract anywhere else. Yep. And the Colts were in a position where they're like, okay, we, our offense runs through the running game our offense operates through the running game if Jonathan Taylor gets hurt Marlon Mack's probably better than someone like Jordan Wilkins to carry the load so why not for two million dollars or whatever the hell it was so I don't I see Marlon Mack just being the change of pace guy I think volume wise and just having an elite offensive line is going to help him a lot uh in terms of Naheem Hines I was very high on Naheem Hines last year with Philip Rivers with Carson Wentz, I still do like Naheem Hines, but it's not nearly as much. Um, Nick Sirianni 
big supporter of Naheem Hines. Um, he's already talking about making Kenneth Gainwell the new Naheem Hines in Philadelphia, which is going to be very interesting. But, um, you know, I, I think the way Carson Wentz is going to run this offense as opposed to the way Philip Rivers is, is going to favor Jonathan Taylor more than a guy like Naheem Hines. Right. I don't think they're going to need to have that constant security check down blanket for Carson Wentz on every single play like they did to have they did have for Philip Rivers. So um, we'll see. Yeah, I think that's a fair argument. I mean, I think the other thing that I trust going down for Jonathan Taylor is his catch percentage. He had a 92 catch percentage last year, which is extremely high for a running back. <laughs> Um, but I, again, I mean, I think 39 targets, I mean, that's probably pretty repeatable no matter what at the end of the day. I mean, I think like, obviously I think the security blanket argument is fair with Naeem Hines, but at the end of the day, I just feel like unless he gets hurt, he's just going to be on the field on third downs at the end of the day. And because of those risks, that's why I'd have him lower. But I think you do make a fair argument. Do I disagree? Yes. But again, I think you make a fair argument for that at the end of the day. Um, the next guy I want to get into kind of talking about Jonathan Taylor, this guy, Reminds me of him. This is probably our biggest disagreement. Um, and I think half PPR is is definitely a little more, and I think I'm taking this because of the PPR perspective and what this does, but I think the receptions, and I just think because of the ceiling of this player is why, and maybe I'm just being an idiot for like baking on efficiency, but sorry, let me, let me just get over this. Nick Chubb, you have Nick Chubb at eight. I have him at 15. The reason I have him at 15 is just because unless Kareem Hunt gets hurt, I don't think he has RB1 upside, like RB1 overall. And I think if I want to win my fantasy draft, I want a guy that has the potential to be the RB1 without injury. And I think every guy on my list that I have above him has that chance where I don't think Nick Chubb can't. So for instance, last year in PPR, Nick Chubb averaged 5.6 yards per carry. He scored touchdowns at a very high rate. And he was still only the RB8 in PPR, full, full PPR points per game. I mean, I, I don't have the exact number for how that translates to half PPR, but because he could have 5.6 yards per carry, you're not going to get much higher than that. And the fact that he scored touchdowns at a high rate last year, which again, he might do the same thing this year, because he was not higher in points per game, and I don't think he can be much more efficient than he had, I just feel like his ceiling is capped with someone as talented as Kareem Hunt in that backfield. So that's why I would take Chubb lower because I just don't think he gives me that same upside, but I do think Chubb is as solid as they come. And if you're taking him at RB10 just to be solid, I'm totally fine with that. Okay. I can understand that. Um, my, my feeling is just that you said all the other guys that you have, a, have in front of him have higher upside than him. Mm-hmm. Upside if Kareem Hunt if Kareem Hunt stays healthy, I'm, I'm saying I mean upside he is as high as upside as anyone if Kareem Hunt gets hurt. I don't know it, it, it it's tough because a lot of the guys you have above him are pass catchers, but I think what they lack, um, you know what they excel at as pass catchers, they kind of lack as a runner. Like Clyde Edwards, you know, g- good runner last year, but he did have a lot of struggles. Austin Eckler, we already talked about him on the goal line. I don't know. I, 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 it's just hard for me to say one of the best pure runners in the entire NFL on the best rushing offense in the NFL with one of the best offensive lines in the NFL who's going to get a ton of opportunities. It's just hard to not have that guy in the top ten. And I understand not getting the pass catching, and that is the only thing that's really been hindering him. But why do you have Derrick Henry so high then? Because Derrick Henry's been the top three or four running back each of the last couple of years, the last two years. Has Chubb done that? <laughs> no, no, but here's the thing, right? It's the same argument of not having the pass catching. Chubb, he may not have 30 carries a game, but if he gets 20 to 25 at 5.6 and he's going to score one or two touchdowns a game, I don't think that's too far off. Especially because Derrick Henry do, does have games where he does disappear a little bit. Yeah. But Chubb hasn't finished as a top three or four running back. Derrick Henry has. But but here's the thing with Derrick Henry. In points per game? Okay, but, but hold on. Hold on. Holding. Does holding. Derrick Henry have Kareem Hunt in the backfield to potentially take away touches from him? Is Derrick Henry not the only running Darrington back in the Darrington Evans backfield? is the net. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Kareem Hunt's been a top three running back in fantasy football. I mean, Darrington Evans hasn't. 
Derek, if Nick Chubb was the only guy, I'd have Nick Chubb at three because of how great he is at everything else and because the upside is unlimited when he's going to get all the touches. But Kareem Hunt is still a damn good, talented running back no matter what he has done in his past, and he is going to take away from Nick Chubb's upside, and that's why I will not draft him very much unless he falls because of that capped upside because of someone else in that backfield. All the arguments for how great Nick Chubb is fully valid. I just don't think he has RB1 overall upside when Kareem Hunt is still in that value, in, in that backfield. Good arguments. At the same time, just for me, again, because of how talented he is in the situation, I, I wouldn't be able to pass that's, on him. And good. just because he hasn't finished top five before, doesn't it still doesn't mean he can't. Because last year was the first year that the Browns really got their footing as a football team. Fair. And he was injured for a lot of games. So imagine if maybe Chubb had a chance at an expanded role. Maybe he played even better to give Hunt a little less. Because when Chubb got hurt and Hunt was the primary back, Hunt had a couple games where he didn't really produce. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. I mean, it, it, he wasn't efficient. The production doesn't change, but I think the talent with Kareem Hunt is always just going to cap Chubb's upside. Sure. Um, again, like Chubb's averaged at least five yards a carry each of his three seasons. <laughs> And hasn't produced a top three or four number. That's why I'm not drafting him because he's he cannot get any more efficient. And maybe I'm wrong for bang, banging on efficiency. I mean, he scored once every 15.8 carries last year. That's a really good number. And he had like 20 a game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's crazy how, how often he's scoring touchdowns and he's still not at the top of that list. And that's why I'm not drafting him just because of Kareem Hunt there and how much that takes away. Because if I want to win a fantasy league, I need to be drafting a running back in the first or second round that is going to win me my league because if I don't, it's going to be much harder to win the league, and I just don't think Chubb does that unless Kareem Hunt gets hurt. That's what I'm hanging my hat on at the end of the day. But I do think you make a fair argument that he's as talented as anybody. I mean, you're going to go for the most talented player because he has the most upside because he is the most talented player. And I think another part of that too is, like I said, last year was the first year of Kevin Stefanski in – uh, in Cleveland, and they were great. I mean, there was the first year where we were like, wow, the Browns are good at football. So who knows? In year two with Kevin Stefanski, knowing what they did last year, yep. the sky's the limit for a guy like Chubb. I think Chubb has top five potential. Um, yeah, I don't know. In, in half PPR, that's where I get a little confused, yep. right? Because, yep. I mean, if I can even just pull it up here. In, in, stand, in standard, I think I could absolutely see it. American standard is a fair argument, you could say, there. But I think half PPR, because of the half points per reception, I mean, he had 19 targets last year in in 10 games. I mean, that's 1.9 targets a game. And unless you're the only running back in the backfield, I just don't see enough upside. Again, year year two, there's more footing in the offense. He could get a potentially bigger role. I would just rather bet on the guys I have above him because I think those guys all have a much more legitimate path, and none of those guys have someone as talented as Kareem Hunt. Jonathan Taylor has Marlon Mack to deal with, and Nick Chubb has Kareem. Marlon Hunt. Mack is nothing. Exactly. He's nothing. Exactly. That's that's the point I'm trying to make here. Oh, yeah. He's going to miss a few carries, but Kareem Hunt's Kareem Hunt, man, at the end of the day. All right. Yeah, that's fair. Um, uh, the next player I want to talk about is a guy that, that burned me a little bit last year. I actually didn't get him in many leagues because of how hyped he was, and I just couldn't get the right draft spot. It kept randomizing me and putting me at the top or at the bottom, and I could never get him. That's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I have him at 12, and you have him at 16. But I really want to go first on this one because I really like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. The reason I like him is simply over the last 17 years, like finishing, not points per game, Andy Reid has had a top eight Finishing running back and half PPR in 13 of the last 17 years, period. Not in points per game, actual finish. And I think that that upside with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is pretty Elaire is pretty elite um, in general. And I expect him to take a step forward this year. Like I know in the Fantasy Pros podcast this year, they talked about in the first six weeks, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had the fourth most touches in the entire NFL over the first four weeks. And he was the running back 11. If he had he had one touchdown over that span, if he added one touchdown, he would have been the RB six over the first four weeks before Le'Veon Bell signed. And I think obviously after Le'Veon Bell signed, that impacted things, and they had to give Bell touches. And obviously Bell wasn't super effective, but again, Clyde Edwards-Helaire was fourth in the NFL in touches through the first four weeks, and I really like that. 
And I think his role is only going to continue to expand. I don't think making the COVID arguments fair because you can make that against everyone that was bad. And you could say, make that argument for everyone that's good as a reason why they're so good because they did it with COVID. I don't think COVID's a fair argument. But I think because of this offense has produced a top eight running back in 13 of the last 17 years, Clyde Edwards-Elaire obviously has the talent, the receiving upside, as he set the school record for receptions his senior year in high school, senior year in college. And I think this, the sky's the limit in this offense, and especially the fact that they improved their offensive line, adding guys like Orlando Brown, Joe Tooney, Austin Blythe, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif is back. I mean, they have a lot of really good players that I think is going to help elevate this team even more. And then I think there's efficiency inside the goal line is going to increase more. I think he converted one out of his nine carries for touchdowns inside the five, but it wasn't a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire problem because the rest of his teammates were one for six. Where No, sorry, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was two for ten. The rest of his teammates were one for six. So the, 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 I mean, it's not like it was just an him problem. Um, I really like him this year, and I think that he could easily be a top five back. And that's why I have him over guys like Chubb because I think the ceiling is there. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have too much against Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. The one thing I will say about the offensive line, though, is that, I mean, at least at what I have here, I know Tardif is back, but, like, this is an entire new unit. Yep. This is Orlando Brown, Joe Thune. I have Creed Humphrey starting at center, but, you know, he's a rookie, so we'll see how that changes. Kyle Long, Mike Rivers. I mean, this is just a total, total revamp of offensive line. It might take some time for continuity. These are always talented guys, but to just come together and work together as a unit, it's going to take a little bit of time. Um, that being said, you know, Daryl Williams isn't this huge threat, but the fact that last year – prior to any sort of Clyde injury, Clyde Edwards injury that they added the guy like Le'Veon Bell, it just kind of makes me a little worried. Um, you know, it's just, and I feel like the Chiefs have been a little unpredictable with that, with like adding Shady McCoy last minute and then signing Le'Veon Bell. Shady McCoy didn't really end up doing much, but point being like, what if, what if it's Todd Gurley? What if it's like, five games in and then Todd Gurley gets a chance or what if they sign another free agent running back who's just sitting there waiting for the opportunity and Todd Gurley at this point who knows how much of a threat he would actually be my concern is they don't view Clyde as the bell cow they view him as the 1A um, in a very high powered offense which is still well worth top 15 pick Um, like, like I said I don't really have much against him but that's just like my only point of view of what could be going against him. Okay. I, I think the argument I would make against that for the offensive line, I think it's a very fair argument for them gelling, but they were in the bottom half of the league last year in run blocking and with the talent that's clearly going to be better. So maybe it could take a little bit of time, but I think because of talent at the end of the day is usually going to win out. Um, and I think the sure. thing is like you make a fair argument about them signing a running back off the street, but if they really didn't trust Kyle Edwards Elaire, they gave him the fourth most touches in the NFL through six weeks. And then you get an opportunity to sign someone like Le'Veon Bell. It's not like it's Todd Gurley that's a free agent right now and they're going yeah. to sign him. They signed Bell because he was released after playing with an Adam Gase offense. Think about the potential right there because when you get someone as talented as Le'Veon Bell coming out of an Adam Gase offense, the potential is absolutely there. And Todd Gurley doesn't have that. They have Todd. They could get Todd Gurley right now. They got Le'Veon Bell right after they could sign him. Todd sure. Gurley is not the same. So I think that's why I would say to that, but I think you do bring up fair points with the offensive line gelling. And of course they could sign Todd Gurley and that would impact things. But I don't think Darrell Williams is a threat, especially if they would give Clyde or D'Lair the fourth most touches over the first six weeks of the season before they had the opportunity to sign Bell. Um, but that is enough about Clyde or D'Lair. Another guy, let me let you take the stage a bit because I don't have this guy on my list, but please convince me a little bit. And that is Travis Etienne, you have him at 20. He is not on my list of top 24, but he would be yep. pretty close on that list if I had the full rankings. Why do you like Etienne? So there's a lot to like about Etienne here, right? So first of all, in drafts, you can get him relatively cheap. Um, where he is and how he is, that doesn't really make sense. Let me start over. Urban Meyer. Right. You know, Urban Meyer, you know, the Percy Harvin role, the traditional Percy Harvin role, which is runner, receiver. They're going to get a ton of rushes. They're going to get a ton of targets. And that's just what that role does. Meyer wants to bring that to the NFL. When he was drafting, he wanted Kadarius Tony. And he even said in an interview, which is, I don't know why this dude just like says stuff like this in interviews. He's like, I really wanted Kadarius Tony. We were devastated. 
that we didn't get Kadarius Tony. And then you also put DJ Chark on like full blast, <laughs> which is I think is so funny about Urban Meyer, his willingness to just say these things. But um, yeah, they, they didn't get Kadarius Tony, but they did get Travis Etienne, right? And I feel like when you're a new coach in the NFL, especially college to NFL, you want to do what's comfortable to you. What's comfortable to Urban Meyer is, okay, I want to run my offense how I did in college. I want to get that Percy Harvin. And that's where he put his priority. Obviously, you're not going to do that number one overall pick. You're going to get Trevor Lawrence. But the second pick he had in the entire draft, he's like, all right, I need to get this guy in the field. I need to get this guy in my team. And Travis Etienne is going to be that guy. Because he is that guy, he has a, a realistic chance to be the focal point of this offense. He can get a ton of targets. He can get a ton of rushes. I know James Robinson is there, but he's an undrafted free agent from last year who was part of the old regime. This is a completely new personnel. Not to say Robinson's not going to be involved, but he's not tied to the new organization, right? If this was last year's personnel, then it'd be like, okay, James Robinson's going to fight for more of a role. But Urban Meyer, he's looking at, okay, we just drafted this dude in the first round. This is the running back that I had last year. I'm going to go with the guy I want. I'm going to go with the guy I picked. And on top of that, Trevor Lawrence, he's the golden boy. He's the savior. He's the franchise quarterback. What are you going to do? Trevor Lawrence is on the field. Yeah. Um, do I want the undrafted free agent running back from last year who I haven't played with? Or do I want my number one weapon in college who's a very good pass catcher to be next to me at all times, right? It's probably not going to be all times, but if the golden boy says he wants this guy in the field, they're going to give the golden boy what he wants. You know what I mean? So that's just some of why I really like Travis Etienne. Um, I, I think he can ultimately be the, he can be a top 10, top 15 running back. Um, Meyer said himself, he's a fast athlete, a great person, has very good ball skills, I don't see him as a pure running back. I see him as he fits the mold of what I had some of those other positions over the years. He's referring to the Percy Harvin role. Yep. So um, this is a realistic chance ETN sees upwards of 80 targets in year one. And on top of that, whatever he sees on the ground is that much more of a bonus. The continuity with Trevor Lawrence, there's a ton of upside to buy into here. Yeah, I actually have to disagree here a little bit. Um, with what? I mean, the, everything. <laughs> Uh, honestly okay um so i mean with etn i think the percy harvin was good and i think percy harvin's obviously electric that had a lot of touchdowns but i mean i just looked in over his last final two seasons the first season he only averaged like five touches a game he played three seasons in college but his his senior season he only averaged nine touches a game in that percy harvin role nine touches total and then his junior i mean the sophomore year the year before that he only averaged about 13 touches a game um and i think that that role isn't super I mean, that's like unless he gets the touchdowns and all that. I mean, that's that's great for ATN. And then I think the fact that I mean Carlos Hyde's there, and I think Carlos Hyde, as we saw last year in Seattle, is still a productive back. I mean, he's had at least four point four yards of carry each of the last two years. He's productive. And then I mean, you talked about. I mean, obviously Urban Meyer loves Travis ATN. Why wouldn't they draft him as a, in their first round if they didn't? But Urban Meyer also said about James Robinson that he's one of – he said, quote, James Robinson is one of my favorite guys. I cannot think of a harder worker. I love that guy. It doesn't sound like a guy that they're not, they're not going to give touches. So when you have a guy like Carlos Hyde the last two years, 4.4 yards of carry each of the last two years, James Robinson is one of Urban Meyer's favorite guys. He loves that guy. Can't think of a harder worker. Do you really want to draft someone with a top 20 draft capital with that? The upside is there. The upside is absolutely there, and I cannot agree with you more on the upside. But if he plays that Percy Harvin role, the touches, who knows? I mean, obviously the NFL, it's probably a little bit more touches than a college game. But the touches are concerning. He really likes James Robinson. James Robinson is good. Maybe he'll fall off the face of the earth. But just because of all that risk that you're buying into, although the talent is there, I think RB20 is just a little too high for me to buy in right now. Sure, and I, I understand that. And my point to the Percy Harvin role um, – Harvin, he played very, very well when he had like 1,500 scrimmage yards. Yeah. And like, I believe it was two or three of those years. Let me see. Um, yeah, in one of the years he had about 1,500 scrimmage yards. He had 1,200 first year. Um, or was that last year? No, that first year he had about 800. But, you know, it's him as a rookie. Well, not really a rookie, but like a freshman. So, I mean, when, when it really boils down to it, when a head coach wants to specifically scheme plays. Yep. 
for a player, that's going to work to their benefit, right? So even if the Percy Harvin role in college was eight or nine touches a game, I think ETN being a running back and then on top of that, having the Percy Harvin role only means he's going to be very much involved as a pass catcher. Yeah. Right. So that's for me, that's where that really comes to benefit him because they want to scheme plays for this guy they just drafted. Yep. Um, James Robinson is definitely going to be involved as a rusher. And it's nice that Myers thinks he's a hard worker because he is, he, he wasn't an undrafted free agent, you know, doing what he did last year if he wasn't a hard worker. But when he's talking about James Robinson, it, what are you going to say? If a reporter comes up to you and says, hey, what do you think of James Robinson? Piece of shit. I'm not going to. No. Like, if he's hard worker, you say he's a hard worker. But he wasn't saying, I'm not going to. He didn't say, we're not going to take him off the field. He didn't say, we're going to give him 20 carries a game. He didn't say anything about his volume or his workload, which is why I, I really think, especially with Trevor Lawrence, too, that ETN is going to be a very big part of this offense okay but to, to your own argument that you just made against me about him saying he's not going to call james robinson a piece of crap is he really going to say oh yeah we're going to really tone down james robinson's workload he is coming off the field this year to a reporter he's not going to say that so i mean he no, he's not going to gonna say that either he but when he drafts etn and he talks etn up about this big role that he's going to have in the offense it's kind of insinuated that he, james robinson called take a, lesser role. a third down back he called. He called. He called Robins- them more than a third down back. Okay, but he called Robinson and Hyde his early down grinders. He didn't say those yeah. guys aren't going to play. Early down grinders. I, I mean, that sounds a lot worse than. I would, would you want the early down grinder or do you want the third down pass catcher? If that's what it really comes down to. I'd rather have the third down pass catcher, but I wouldn't be willing to take third down pass catcher at RB twenty <laughs> overall right now. But that's what I'm saying. Third down and more. Right, he's third down. So third it just means fourth, that third and fourth he's down. gonna have, huh? Third and fourth down. Third, yeah, exactly. Third and no, <laughs> no. He'll definitely be involved as a rusher. I, honestly, I think Trevor Lawrence also plays a big part of this. They keep bringing that up because who is Trevor Lawrence's number one weapon, weapon in the entire like, yeah. college career? Etn. Can't say, yeah, you can't say Justin Ross. Can't say this guy. So I, I think he's gonna be a big voice as to why Etn's on the field. Okay. And honestly, if they drafted Etn to be this just third down back and secondary guy to James Robinson, yep. it wouldn't make sense to do that in the first yep. round. Shame on that. It wouldn't. Yeah. I think Urban Meyer wants to get this guy going. I think he wants to get him on the field. He drafted him in the first round for a purpose. He wants to get this offense rolling in the way he wants it to go, and yep. ETN is going to be a vital part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think the only other thing I would say is I think like LaVisca Chanel has showed out, showed out in practices by all accounts. He seems like more of a slot guy that could take away some of ETN's slot snaps. But again, just because of the risk is the reason I wouldn't have him where I have him. But I think you do make some fair arguments, and the upside is absolutely there. And I talked about already, I want guys with a ton of upside that could win me a league. Travis ATN meets that requirement because of all the upside there. So I think that is a fair argument. Our second to last guy that we're talking about today is Miles Sanders. Um, you have Miles Sanders at 18. I have him at 23. The reason that I'm down on him a little bit is I think that the fact that they had Kenneth Gainwell, and you said earlier, Sirianni himself, he said he wants Naheem Hines to be that guy. I think obviously the rushing lanes definitely open up with someone like Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. I absolutely love Jalen Hurts. But because of the fact that they have Hines, on Johnson, Jordan Howard, I mean, Boston Scott, I mean, obviously not all those guys are going to make the roster, but because of all those guys, I would rather invest someone else that has a better path to touches like a Miles Gaskin or a Miles, Mike Davis, guys like that, that have a clearer path to a three down workload. I don't hate Miles Davis. I mean, Miles Sanders is my RB 23, five spots below you, but because other guys have a clearer path to touches and because Miles Sanders didn't completely take over last year over, I thought, although he thought he played well and he had a bad offensive line, I think that really hurt him. Just because of the competition and the fact that this is a new offense, I think is the reason I would drop him a little bit lower. But I know you like Miles Sanders as a value right now. Yeah, I mean, look, I, Miles Sanders is someone I take at the end of the third round. I'm not overly high on him. I don't think he's this top 10 guy, but I think he's a very respectable running back, too. You talked about the offensive line struggles last year. I mean, <laughs> they didn't have Andre Dillard, who was hurt, Brandon Brooks, Lane Johnson, all who was large portions, if not the entire 2021 season. They added Lane Dickerson back. Uh, they added Landon Dickerson in the draft. Um, you know, they're getting most of those guys back. So that offensive line is going to be back up. Um, Sanders, in 12 games, he had over 1,000 yards per scrimmage. He had 5.3 yards per carry, even with a crappy offensive line and a quarterback who just could not do anything because he was just freaking out on every play. But um, 
you know, it, it really goes to show how good of a runner Miles Sanders is. And I'm not going to call him Nick Chubb or anything close to that because he's not at that level. But he's a very, very, very good runner. If he loses a chunk of that pass-catching role, I I think it's bound to happen, which is why I have him outside the top 15. I think someone like Kenneth Gainwell or someone like that is going to come in and take that pass-catching. Miles Sanders had nine drops last year. He was an inconsistent pass-catcher. I know that. But when it comes to rushing the ball, Miles Sanders has been very, very good. His situation's only gotten better. He did. Um, he was very efficient with Jalen Hurts on the field. So with Jalen Hurts and an improved offensive line, I think Miles Sanders could explode on the ground for 2021. So if he had the pass catching too, I think there's a good argument for him to be a top 10, top 15 guy. But because he doesn't have the pass catching, he falls a little short for me. But I still like him as a running back too. Yeah, no, I think it's a fair argument. I, I think, like I said, we've talked about this already, but I think the fact that it's a new system, um, I think that could definitely change things compared to whatever he did last year. But I, I love Miles Sanders, the talent. I was so in on him last year, and maybe it's because he burned me. Obviously, having Jalen Hurts over Carson Wentz, I think it's going to help him more, and I think they're going to design this offense around Hurts yeah. and hopefully Sanders. Um, I don't think he's going to get that same like 70% snap share, but I think if he's still efficient, I mean, again, I have him at RB23. It's not like he has to do a lot. It's not like Nick Chubb where he has to have top 10 upside. Like I'm saying, I don't want him. Yeah. I think that Miles Sanders can absolutely be a value in this range. So I think you definitely convinced me there. I think I would move him up one or two spots in my rankings. Um, I, I think that's a, a pretty fair argument for him. But again, remains to be seen. I'd probably move him over at least Javante Williams, maybe David Montgomery, someone like that. Um, but again, we'll talk about that on another episode for sure. The last guy I want to talk about today um, is Mike Davis. Mike Davis is a guy I really like um, this coming year. I mean, Mike Davis last year, I mean, was a guy that after Christian McCaffrey was hurt, he kind of took over. I mean, Mike Davis was the overall running back 12 um, on the season, and that was with Christian McCaffrey starting three games last year, which I really like. You're going to talk about that he wasn't super efficient, and he only averaged 3.8 yards per carry. And that is not good, but he still finished RB12 with that. He scored 10 touchdowns or less. I don't know the exact number, so it wasn't like he was insanely efficient on the ground. But because he still finished that high with Christian McCaffrey starting three games and he missed a game, so he really only started 12 games, still finishes the RB12 overall. Um, I really like Mike Davis, and I think the fact that he's going with Quadre Olison and Javian Hawkins. And Olison has 24 career touches in two seasons. Hawkins is an undrafted free agent. And I think the fact that Todd Gurley last year, Mike Davis is going as the RB24. You have him as the 23. Todd Gurley last year was the running back 22. And you have Mike Davis, the 23. And I think we would both agree in the current state, Mike Davis is a more talented running back than Todd Gurley. And Todd Gurley is the running back 22 because of the role in this offense right now. And Mike Davis is going as the 24. What was he in points per game? Uh, in points per game, I don't have that number. Off the top it's of probably head. in the 30s or 40s. Yeah, it's, it, it probably is. But I, I think because of the volume that he's going to get and the fact that he's probably, he has not had any injury concerns – just purely based on volume is why I have him as running back 19 right now. The talent, not so much, but I think that running backs have done pretty well in this offense from Devontae yeah. Freeman to Todd Gurley. And I think that's the argument I make. I don't think he's a world beater, but he played well and he had a lot of touches. And I think without Julio, maybe he has even more target upside. Um, I think that's, I mean, again, you could look at that either way. But again, because the purely the volume and his lack of competition for touches, that's why he's my 19. I mean, like, look. Mike Davis in a workhorse role. Any sort of workhorse that you can get in the fourth or fifth round is amazing. Yeah. I, I like Mike Davis. It's just for whatever reason, when I'm doing a draft or I'm doing a mock draft, I see him in like beginning of the fourth, and I'm like, uh, I'll, I'll wait a little bit. I'll wait. Yeah. And then I say, uh, I guess I'll take him here. Yeah. I don't feel great about taking Mike Davis in drafts, and I really don't know why. Um, you know, I'm fine with him being a top 20 running back. I can 100% see that being the case. Yep. But there is one guy you didn't mention who can take away work from him. Who? Cordell Patterson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, that's the biggest threat he has, yeah. really, right? It's it's yeah. not Quadri Olsen. It's not any of these undrafted free agent yeah. running backs that are there and may not even make the roster. Um, I don't see Cordell Patterson as a big threat necessarily. I don't know. It, it, it's tough. And like, I, I, I'm fine with taking Mike Davis. What are you saying? Yeah, I, I think the thing that also I like Mike Davis, we keep talking about, I want guys that are going to win me my, my league 
and the fact that we have a potential three-down workhorse going yeah. to the RB24 in consensus rankings, that is screaming value, and he's already produced as an RB1. He could absolutely do it again or even more when you don't have yeah. Christian McCaffrey hounding you for touches. Maybe that pushed him, maybe it didn't, but he only started 12 games last year. Imagine if he starts 16 where that would have gone last year. I'm not saying he's super efficient, just sure. because – of the touches volume is king in fantasy you can get a lot of targets he's obviously a solid pass catcher and for that reason that's why i'm going to take him and because i like him because he's not a sexy pick no one says yay mike davis like no one says that no one has ever said that i'm sorry mike davis's mom i know you said that (laughs) but that is a topic for a different day just because of the volume and the potential value there that's why i like mike davis and i think if he gets that three down roll there's no way he doesn't produce at least rb20 on what will probably be 300 touches if he stays healthy and gets that workhorse role. Does that make him move move him up your rankings just a little bit? Um, you know, it's like for me, it's like I had all that in my mind. I think I might move him over Miles Gaskin a little bit. Yep. But Travis Etienne is standing firm at that 20 <laughs> spot. I'm excited about his upside. I'm so excited about his upside. And you know what? Every single year, like I know I somehow I brought this back to Travis Etienne, but like we look at these uh rookie running backs are like oh you know i don't really see a situation where any of these guys could finish like top 15 and they always do these rookie running backs always find a way to finish in that top 10 to 15 range like deandre swift last year i feel like a lot of people with carry on johnson whatever like oh i don't really know how high deandre swift is really going to finish came makers with you know henderson and malcolm brown it wasn't look like he was going to do it so i I just think talent finds a way and i think etn is a very talented player yeah no, that's a fair point. Fair point. But I think this is a really, really good discussion. And that is it for today. That that wraps it up. Uh, Joey, thank you so much, as always, for being on my podcast. I love you. I love having you on my podcast. I think you're amazing. You make me happy. Um, and I appreciate you for that. But is there anything anything right now that's going on with you, That any content you're putting out that you want the listeners to know or think about or check out or anything like that at all? Uh, yeah, this is the usual. Usual. I'm going to have draft kit coming out. Probably sometime earlier next month. Um, we got the throne league going on. Um, nothing crazy going on right now, but we'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll have some stuff in store. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, as always, I appreciate you for coming on the podcast. And for anyone that does not follow him, please look on Instagram and follow him at fantasy.football.analyst. He is the man. I love his content. I love his personality. It doesn't get much better than Joey Volpe. Uh, thank you so much again for coming on. And please, please, please. Leave feedback for me. I'm always looking to make this podcast the best that it can possibly be. I know I say it a lot, so you guys already know what to do. And like I say, just keep trying to be a little bit better every single day.